Hey there, my name is Allie Robinson. I am a certified personal trainer and running coach, and I am here to love, support, and guide you through this amazing journey to crushing your goals. We will talk about all things running, racing, strength training, nutrition, and weight loss without forgetting the real talk like mental health and motherhood. It's like a coffee date with your bestie, except I have the credentials, personal experience, and client testimonials to back it all up. So grab your favorite water bottle, put on your headphones, start your workout, and join me for something wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Something Wonderful podcast. You guys know that I come on each week and I have some awesome tips and tricks for you. And I swear I've been a broken record talking about sleep when it comes to recovery, when it comes to physical performance, when it comes to weight loss, when it comes to cravings. I am always talking about how we need to prioritize sleep. So I got someone special here for you. As always, I have Dr. Darley here, who is actually a sleep specialist. She specializes in sleep and is here to give us so much awesome information to help you guys not only uh, get better sleep, but to really help you in these other areas of your life. So please, uh, Catherine Darley, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Uh, sleep is essential. I think about sleep as a tool that we use to get where we want to go, whether it's weight loss or other women's health issues or athletic performance. Whatever it may be, sleep is part of a workable toolkit. Yes. Definitely. So how, so I guess the big, big question I have is like, how did you get started in, in sleep? Like what about sleep like piqued your interest? You know what? I have always been a good sleeper, Allie. And I also give myself enough time to sleep. And so I really experience the deficit when I don't get enough sleep. And that's one of the things that we see with people is that just like alcohol. When you are going without enough sleep, you kind of get used to it. And you're, um, you know, I think we're all uh, tired of that phrase new normal, but you do get this new normal of, well, I'm sleep deprived. So I'm only performing down here. And that's what's normal for me. But when you got an, if you get enough sleep, your performance actually improves so much you go, wow, I didn't realize I was really performing at 60, 70, 80% just because of the sleep loss. Yeah. I mean, I have always been a fan of sleeping, even as a teenager, when other teenagers are like up until three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, oh, it's 9 p.m. Time to go to bed. And that's <laughs> only gotten worse since I've had kids, because uh, now I will take any moment to sleep. So I've always been a big sleeper. Um, and I've always known how important sleep is because, you know, the second I miss my my normal 9 p.m. bedtime, I am crabby, I'm cranky, and I become a monster the following day. So can you tell us like some of the impacts of, of not getting enough sleep? Yeah, so I think about it in five domains, our physical and mental health. 
you know, for anyone who is struggling or working to improve their physical fitness, to improve their uh, weight, you know, meet a weight target, you're going to need to have discipline, you're going to need to have confidence, you're going to need to have uh, keep in touch with your motivation, all of those actually tank when you're not getting enough hours of sleep or healthy sleep. So it's the physical and mental health, it is the physical and mental co or cognitive performance, um, being mentally snappy, you know, meeting a new person and remembering the name, their name the next time you meet them. Those kinds of really simple cognitive tasks on up to creative problem solving. You know, one of the ways to lose weight if people are wanting to is to switch out foods. Maybe you have a high high calorie, not, not much nutrient value food that you've been eating and you want to substitute in a more nutritious, lower calorie food, that takes some creative problem solving. Those kinds of skills are impacted. And then physical performance. There's some super cool research coming out of sleep and sports. And we see that people's endurance is better, their reaction time is better, they can sprint faster or get off the block uh, swimming, or they can serve more accurately playing tennis. All of the different sports, actually there's research showing that they perform better and more competitively when they're getting the sleep they need. And then the last piece of these five domains that are impacted by sleep is your emotional intelligence. How well are you able to identify your own emotions? How well are you able to identify the emotions in other people uh, and, and be sensitive to those? One thing that's super interesting is that if I'm sleep deprived and I come in to work, I glance at a coworker, in that one glance, I'm not gonna be able to tell if they're happy or angry. And think about all the times you walk into a room and before one word is said, you can tell, right? But if you're chronically sleep deprived, you're missing that information that is gonna impact your relationships. Wow, I mean, like, you know, I've always known the impact uh, of sleep, but it's such a uh, it's such a bigger scale. Like if you're not getting enough sleep, it can impact so many different aspects of your life. So why is there? Because I feel like when you go up to someone, right? Like you even got on the podcast and you're like, how's your Monday? And I just feel like it's such a standard answer for us to be like, I'm tired. Like tired is the normal. Like why is there this chronic, um, you just like this, this thing of just everybody is tired, tired all the time. What is going on with us? Yeah. So, um, I love that question back in the, um, 1900s, 1914, people in America got on average nine and a quarter hours of sleep. Um, and now we get far, far from it. It's about 35% of people who get six hours or less during work nights. And that's not because human physiology has changed in those hundred, hundred years. It's really that we're prioritizing our time differently. And one e really easy way for people to tell if they need more sleep is if they're waking up to an alarm clock. If you're waking up to an alarm, either a physical alarm or your phone, um, 
just know that you haven't gotten enough sleep. And the other way to pay attention is if you're sleeping more on weekends. If you're sleeping more on weekends, that means you're not getting enough rest Monday through Friday and, um, you know, giving yourself more time. I think it basically, you know, it comes down to, do you want to have long days when you're feeling not at your best in those five areas that I mentioned, or do you want to have fewer hours, but really high quality hours? Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't think people make that, um, you know, consciously make that decision. They're just going for the more hours to do more stuff, but it ends up not being as good a experience. Yeah. No. Cause I know like as me as a mom, right. Um, I feel like I need, I need a hundred more hours in the day and I still wouldn't get everything done. But I think a lot of that is cause I am tired. Right. And, and so that, that is just, it makes you stop and think of like, okay, you know, could I maximize the time that I do have if I felt better, if I had more energy, if I, um, you know, felt my problem solving skills were a whole lot better. Uh, I could right. so much better, you know, get, have so much better productivity and do so many more things. So that is yeah. really awesome. So what do you know, like what has impacted our ability to, to sleep? I know you said like, we're prioritizing different things, but, um, you know, what, what are we doing wrong? Well, I think, you know, it's the more is better, more daylight hours, more wakeful hours is better. And that, you know, sleep is null time or sleep is just the absence of wakefulness. But sleep is so much more than that. Sleep is recovery. Sleep is health. And, uh, you know, you mentioned most of the people here at the Renderful community are women and maybe women who are going through menopause, there are so many changes associated with menopause, um, changes in our health, I should say, that are impacted by sleep. With menopause, we see an increase in inflammation and sleep itself and the, men and the melatonin that is elevated during natural sleep those are both both have anti-inflammatory properties. Uh, one of the things that women will have as they go through menopause is they'll have more arthritis and sleep is going to decrease the inflammation of arthritis. So there's very specific conditions, many specific conditions that sleep is actually going to help with if we um, take advantage of that. Wow, yeah. I I mean, it, sleep really is healing. Like they tell you, like, if you're sick, you need to sleep and rest. Um, but like to even think about, you know, the hormonal changes or the inflammation, uh, like even digestion, you know, there's so many like, things that happen, like when we are sleeping, I mean, this is the, the wonderful podcast. So how you said it does impact your, your physical performance. So can you kind of go into that a little bit more? Like, it, you know, I have a lot of athletes that are running half marathons, full marathons, trying to get faster, get new PRs. How is sleep affecting those goals? 
Yeah, so um, I want to go a little bit into uh, sleep physiology if we can. Yeah, There's two main um, categories of sleep, REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement sleep, and then there's non-REM, which is stages one, two, and three. Stage three sleep we call deep sleep or slow wave sleep because the brain waves are really very high amplitude and slow compared to wakeful brain waves. And it is the kind of sleep that if you get woken up out of deep sleep, you feel really luggy and um, takes about 20 minutes to be fully awake and oriented to your day. But during deep sleep is when about 75 up to 85% of our total growth hormone is secreted. So athletes particularly need that growth hormone for recovery. And that is mostly gonna be available to us during our deep sleep or, or slow wave sleep. So that's in terms of the physical recovery. And then you were mentioning performance and people wanting to increase their endurance, increase their speed, all of that. Um, sleep actually improves your reaction time, your, your attention and your reaction time. And this has been tested at least um, in soccer players, in rugby players, in tennis players. Um, those are the ones I can name off the top of my head. There's actually quite a bit of research looking at different sports and sleep. So those are going to improve. And then there's been research looking at long distance cyclers and their endurance is much better for those who have slept more than those who slept less. And even over uh, multi-day races, they can correlate the people who sleep the less, the least take the longest to complete the course. And those who slept the most are the fastest. We see that also with running. Uh, so if you want to improve your speed, taking the time to get the sleep that you need is a good idea. So me with a six-month-old who does not sleep uh, at night uh, means I won't be breaking any world records at least for the next six months until she's sleeping all night. Good to know. Right. So outside, so outside of my mom's out here that have little ones that, you know, obviously we don't have much control over when we wake up in the middle of the night. So outside of that, how can we get better sleep? How can we, you know, improve our ability to lose weight and balance our hormones and improve our, our physical fitness uh, through sleep? Yeah, so there's two main things that you want to focus on. First, getting enough sleep, which I've talked about quite a bit, and then getting good quality sleep. So let's go back to that getting enough hours. We think the bell curve for how much sleep adults need is somewhere between seven and nine hours. And that doesn't mean that every single person will do fine so long as they get seven and a half hours. That means some people are at the seven and a half set point. Some of them are at the nine set point. And really first to check in with yourself, how much sleep do I do best with that makes me feel really like I am at the top of my game? That's how much sleep you want to schedule into your lifestyle on the regular. Um, and uh, so you want to do that. To give yourself uh, a regular routine makes a huge difference. 
there's newer research that it's um, not only the getting the total amount of sleep that you need, but also having regularity. So ideally you want your wake time to be within 30 minutes of the same time, all seven days of the week, all 30 days of the month. So, you know, for me, I like to get up between 5.30 and 6. So that's my window, 5.30 and 6, 30 days in a row. And then bedtime, same. You want to have it be the same time. Um, yeah, there's just lots of new research that variability in your sleep is a significant problem, even though, even if it looks like you're getting enough sleep usually. So those are some principles that are going to help you get the quantity of sleep. And then the quality of sleep. I have some props here. Um, one of the things that is really kind of a concept that's getting a lot more recognition finally is the negative effect of artificial light after sunset. And, uh, you know, I think probably a lot of your listeners have heard about how we need to avoid blue light in the evening. In my clinical practice, what I hear from people is that they don't, they didn't realize it made such a, business, a big deal uh, or a big impact that they've heard it, but they just didn't understand how significant uh, impact it can have. Basically, if there's enough light that you can hold your hand out at arm's length and see your fingers wiggling, that's enough to suppress your natural melatonin release. Uh, wow. So the recommendations, yeah, I know that's not very much light, is it? Oh. No. So the recommendation for light for the three hours before bed, so that's quite early, could be, you know, six or seven at night for a lot of people, is that you want to have 10 lux or less of light. And 10 lux is a measure of light. It's one candle flame from three feet away. So 10 lux is 10 candle flames. That also is not very much light, but it really makes a difference. So I have two tips for people. One is on your phone, download what's called a lux meter that's spelled L-U-X. Download a lux meter. And then in that three hours before bed, just kind of test the light in your home. Hold the uh, sensor up to your eye level and see how much light is coming in. And the other tip is to wear blue blocking glasses for those two or three, I think two hours is realistic. Three hours is ideal and the recommendation, but wear the blue blocking glasses. Um, what I do is I just have them on the coffee table in my house. That's where they live because that's where I spend my evenings on the sofa more often than not. And so the the glasses are right there and easy to remember. And um, what they find is that people, there's been a few studies in people with insomnia and some other sleep conditions who have difficulty falling asleep at the beginning of the night, wearing these for somewhere between 10 days and two weeks, they start sleeping a lot better. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And I know I'm guilty of, um, like getting a lot done in the evenings, right? Once the kids go to bed, I'm like, great, uh, do the dishes and, you know, pack lunches and do all the things. Um, so what I'm kind of hearing is not so much like what you do, but just like 
the conditions that you you do them. So it could just be a big difference, even if I'm, you know, preparing for the next day or doing laundry, just turning down the lights or putting on some glasses could have a, a huge impact on that. It does have a huge impact. And one of the things that happens as we age is that our natural melatonin, which melatonin helps us be drowsy. And uh, it also signals to our entire body that it's nighttime and it's time to switch into restful physiology that declines as we age. And so we want to do practices that help our natural melatonin stay at those levels that it was when we were younger. Uh, so that is really important. Yep. So what about the people that I think this is just a mindset thing, right? But like I said, I'm the 9 p.m. girl, always have been, probably always will be. Um, but people like my husband, he swears he's a night owl. He swears that he can stay up until one o'clock in the morning and function perfectly well the next day. What about those people that have the, that mindset of I'm a night owl? How do we kind of shift that a little bit? Well, I, um, I think that it's true that people, some people are night owls and just like some people are more morning types. I think about it again, like a bell curve that there are some people who are more morning types. There are some people who are more night types. And then most of us are in the middle. And actually, Allie, there's some cool information looking at um, vill modern day villages that are very rom remote and have no electricity. And they find that it is uh, actually useful and adaptive to have people with these different uh, chronotypes because somebody's always awake to kind of look out for the village. And one study I'm thinking of over the month, I think there was about, I can't remember for sure. It wasn't very many adults, maybe 30 adults or 50 adults in this small village. There was only 15 minutes that every single person in the village was asleep. Otherwise, somebody was awake watching out for the group. So I think it's good to actually honor that. The, the difficulty that people have who are night owls is that they are are set to stay up late and so they can't actually fall asleep too early uh, much earlier than they are naturally set to but then they need to sleep later in the morning to get the uh, sleep that they need typically uh, and they can't because of you know lifestyle commitments work kids school whatever it may be yeah wow so you know, it makes us kind of think about, you know, not only are we conforming to, to society, but also our body's kind of natural, natural rhythm a little bit. So yeah, I think, I think about it, like, it's useful in a ha family or a household to have someone who's short and can like, get in the back of the cupboard and then someone who's tall and can like reach that shelf that's above the range, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Except those two people are now married and now uh, one person wants to go to bed at nine o'clock and the other one wants to stay awake until one o'clock. Oh, and... Yeah, that's yeah, that's totally true. And then, you know, wait when you're wait until your kids are teenagers, they will likely be more night owls uh, during those teen years. That's just part of puberty, actually, is being more of a night owl. So 
Yeah, it is. I, I'm not, it's not that I'm trying to minimize that it's a real thing when you have family members on different schedules. That is definitely, I, I recently had my 20 year old college daughter here, uh, staying with me on break and, uh, yeah, I naturally wake up about 5.30 or 6 and I'm like raring to go at that time. I want to make noise. She's sleeping until 11 and um, so I'm trying to be quiet at like my best, most productive times and then at like 8 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, she wants to tell me everything and have a good conversation and I'm like struggling to, to stay awake. So yeah, I it's a real thing. Yeah. Well, I, that, and that's a lot of the, um, the pushback that I get when I tell people, Hey, we need to be prioritizing our sleep. You've got a run that you're waking up at six o'clock in the morning for. You can't be binge watching Netflix super late at night when you've got a run in the morning, it's going to impact your performance. And the pushback that I get is like, well, you know, my husband stays up or, you know, I've got work until this time. So what are kind of, you know, you, you talked about dimming the lights, but what are some of the, the practical kind of um, tips that you can give us just to, to get better sleep, better quality of sleep for kind of the practical person? Yeah, yeah. So um, doing that with the light, either turning down the light or wearing the blue blockers, then many people um, tend to like ruminate, they get into bed and their mind is still active. Right. And so I, I have had really good success when with people taking 10 minutes, no more could be less, but no more than 10 minutes, an hour or two before bed and taking those thoughts from your mind, journaling them, writing them down in whatever format. It could be journal, you know, full sentence, narrative like diary entry, or it could be a list, or it could be thought bubbles, you know, running, morning sunlight, do, friends, you know, whatever. But just intentionally take the thoughts from the mind onto the paper. And then when you're thoughts start going, tell yourself, hey, wait a minute, establish boundaries. I already thought about that. I will have time tomorrow. Now is my time to sleep. And just really uh, do limit setting with yourself that sleep hours are not the time to think things through or problem solve. You want to do those things. Certainly we need to do those things, but we make time during our day and, and not do it at night. And then to enter, then to put in a, um, strategy that helps you fall asleep. You've kind of kicked your thoughts out of bed what are you going to put in that void? And it can be progressive muscle relaxation. I believe there's actually some studies looking at progressive muscle relaxation for athletes to help them sleep, where you start with your face, crunch your face muscles real tight for a count of seven, relax, move on down your limbs, uh, and just purposely relax, let everything fall heavy into the bed in between those contractions. And that's great because it's both engaging your body and your mind because you have to concentrate on those isolated muscle groups. So I find that that can be a good practice. Another practice that can be great is to uh, have a story, a bedtime story that you just recite to yourself. 
choose the same one, could be a favorite movie, a book from childhood, and just start at the beginning and just kind of recite the story until you're asleep. And that works really well. Uh, concentrates your thoughts on something that's sleep promoting instead of those random racing thoughts. Wow. Those are some really good tips. I mean, I know I'm one of those lucky people that I can fall asleep in a train and a plane in a car. Like it doesn't matter if I close my eyes, I can fall asleep. However, my problem is staying asleep. So like once I'm awake in the middle of the night, I am awake and it's too easy to like grab my phone and start scrolling. Um, so those are already some great tips. And I'm like, Ooh, when I wake up or like I'm up with the baby, I'm going to try those things to try to get myself to, to fall back asleep. Um, is there something now for the people that don't have small children, is there something to the people that do wake up in the middle of the night uh, often, or that's something common? What can we do about that? Yeah. So, um, Actually, if you can use some kind of alarm clock like this, this is just like a little battery powered alarm clock. It does nothing but tell the time and have an alarm feature. Having this for your alarm is much better than having your phone because even if your phone is on airplane mode, we are trained to be vigilant to our phone. And there's been studies that even just having your phone in your bedroom when it is in airplane mode, you don't sleep as well as if your phone is in another room. So after bedtime or at bedtime, I like people to start thinking about your phone like a phone from the 90s where it was plugged in, it was in a certain room. And, you know, so yes, you want to be reachable for your special people, you know, parents, siblings, close friends, you know, if there's an actual emergency, someone's going to the hospital or needs your help, you do want people to be able to reach you. But otherwise, put your phone, you know, in the room next door to the bedroom or out in the hall or something so that if the ringer goes from one of those special people, yes, you know, but otherwise it's out of sight, out of mind. And that just that one thing alone should help a person sleep well. Uh, and then getting back to your question about these middle of the night awakenings, I want to raise awareness that as women age, they the uh, rate of sleep disorders increases. And women over after menopause actually have some of the highest rates of any demographic for some of the sleep disorders. So um, obstructive sleep apnea significantly increases after uh, menopause. And it's because, you know, in menopause, our estrogen drops and estrogen actually helps our tissues stay toned. It even helps the inside of our airway stay toned. And that's why women will tend to have more obstructive sleep apnea. And it's still, it's underdiagnosed uh, much more in women than in men. The other one that just really skyrockets is over 50% of women who are postmenopausal have restless leg syndrome. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is something that you want to go to your physician. Both of those conditions, you want to go to your physician physician and, and get treated for, because that can be, uh, contributing to those nighttime awakenings. 
you know, those are some really awesome things that you've given us to, to think about, you know, in regards to our sleep. Um, how do you help people and where can they find you? So I have a series of courses, online courses for people to learn how to sleep better and really step-by-step guide them into rebuilding their sleep. I have a course that is specific for athletes and I have another course that's specific for women. Uh, So you could choose, you know, whichever resonates the most for you and one for families. I really customize the courses so that they speak to different groups of people and give the information that that group of people really need. Uh, Online at Skilled Sleeper, and I'm on social and YouTube channel and Substack and all that. Awesome. I will make sure to link everything in the show notes. But thank you, Dr. Darley, for coming on here and sharing all of this goodness about sleep. It is so, so, so important. So I'm glad that I have somebody else in the world that's just as enthusiastic about it as I am. Um, so you guys, please check her out. Um, you know, those courses sound amazing. I'm actually going to be checking out the one for athletes. Uh, so everybody, that is it for me. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you very soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Something Wonderful podcast. To show your support for the show, please take a moment to rate and review wherever you are listening to your episodes. You can follow me on Instagram at something underscore wonderful. And you can even join my free Facebook group, Weight Loss for Runners. And remember, my friends, until next time, you are something wonderful.